Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to American Liberties, the Wednesday night call. Welcome to American Liberties, the Wednesday night call. All right, and uh, today is uh, Wednesday the, the 25th. I'd like to start off by saying I'd like to thank for the people that uh, are, are going to get into this uh, crowdfunding thing with me. We're, we're going to make a difference. Um, I'm ready to break 1,600 people in in our membership um, in the crowdfunding alone, and and that's um, that's going to be history for for a lot of us. Not not history that you know we're going to make history with that because you know like everything else, it takes money to make money. Uh, it takes money to get things done. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of times people can't afford to do this. They can't afford to do that. If they could, they could get that done. Well, we're going to be able not only to get that done, but to help other people get that done. And that's what's important. And to get that done is whatever you want that to be. Uh, me, I want a lot of people to join me in getting. Dave Maryland's books, videos, uh, the information that has brought me here after t- uh, over 11 years, but I've been doing this for close to 30 years now, um, um, but has gotten me where I didn't go to prison because I stood up to them. And I stood up to them on a foundation that they could not refute and in front of a grand jury, which helped me greatly and and had a had a very well peaceful um, civil interaction with the judge where it put the where I put the judge in her place without you know. Uh, going on theories and, you know, yelling or screaming and getting carried out of the courthouse or courtroom or anything like that. And what's really nice about it, without going to jail. And and like a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people are told, you know, well, you know, just tell them you don't have jurisdiction, walk out of the courtroom. You know, yeah, right. I can't tell you how many people have gone to jail doing that nonsense. And, um, you know, and you always hear, well, I know a person who knew a person that knew a person that did that. And by golly, the judge ran out of the courtroom. Well, you know, I never did ever meet that person and knew that person and knew that person to find out what judge did that. Because nobody can seem to find that person who knew that person who knew that person. 
And, you know, and uh, another thing has been coming up lately, uh, when I say lately coming up, was over the period of two or three weeks, um, Pete Hendricks, you know, would, uh, you know, somebody wants to challenge Pete Hendricks with Dave Maryland's position on 83, and he brings up the 83 nonsense that he has on his website, which he doesn't really get into the law. In fact, what he does, he shows congressional records to refute Dave's stuff. And what was um, remembered, uh, a good friend of mine today reminded me on, um, I'm surprised I even didn't even think about it, but um, but reminded me how uh, Dave's stuff, as they say it, Dave's uh, position shows where the legislatures support what Dave is saying, and and Cullen versus commissioner. Yeah, and and it's written where Congress was aware that the statutes cover extended beyond restricted stocks. Excuse me, stock plans for employees. And he gives the, you know, the report and so forth and so on. And then it goes on to say, the regulations state that Section 83 applies to employees and independent contractors. So, you know, like, I'm a manager of American Liberties. I'm an independent contractor. And so whatever American Liberties pays me is for my services. Okay, and anything over the access of what I am paid will go to gross income. However, if there's nothing over the access thereof, uh, they're not getting squat, okay, because I don't have gross income. And, and Section 83 is pretty darn clear about that. So, you know, uh, Pete argues the way the government argues. They'll just throw stuff against the wall and and you got to and you got to know or you got to be educated or best yet, you gotta read Dave's books, watch his videos, take notes notes, scrupulous notes at that, detailed notes, highlight in the book and stuff like that, and write in the columns on the side of the page pertinent information like I just read you. So when somebody like a lawyer or government or a Pete Hendrickson or something like that brings up um, not, you know, leaves things out of the argument, you know where to fill it in instead of getting sidetracked and that, oh, man, he really beat me up today with his stuff. Because Dave covers it all. He covers every bit of the territory that you need to get informed on what it does, what you need to challenge anybody that brings up a an argument against Section 83. So... And even in a, and I'm sure Dave will cover it in a response in tax court, 
you know, the government kind of just kind of flowers away and rides over Section 83, but he doesn't show how Section 83 controls. And um, and and I'll let Dave speak, speak about that because I'm not affluent yet enough to, to really go over it, but I know what Dave is talking about it because I read the decision again today, and I see clearly what David was talking about how the government, and you see, and, and that's where I myself, I got to admit, I'm not that sharp, okay? I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But, however, with people like Dave and what Dave has done in the books and, and written on the videos, I can remember, you know, that argument and then go back and listen or, or, or talk to Dave about it and say, yeah, I get it. I get where you're at. They didn't cover that, or they just kind of flowered over that. You know, raise your right hand so they can punch you out with the, with their left hand. So, with that being said, I'd like to introduce Dave Marilyn, who, if you get your pen or tape recorder, or you can come back and listen to this on the archive calls, you don't want to miss one single thing of what he has to say. <coughs> so, David, take it away, please. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, um, it's like, and I'm pointing toward irresponsibility and incompetence with everything I'm going to tell you about what Chris said regarding Pete Hendricks. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. Prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. October 25th, 2017. Pete Hendrickson is looking for reasons to not indulge the language of the statute. The Supreme Court says in cases I can't count on even if I had your appendages too, that the first inquiry is the plain language of the statute And if the statutory language is plain, that's the end of our inquiry. So, you have to get into the language of the statute. And what does he do first? Oh, no, the congressional reports, he doesn't get into the case law. What do the courts have to say about Section 83? Why is that so important? Because... Uh, U.S. versus David Lanier, Lanier, in, uh, L-A-N-I-E-R, <clears throat> uh, in that case, David Lanier was a judge, a Tennessee chancery judge, hearing divorce cases and took to raping and sexually assaulting women otherwise in his chambers, and uh, Department of Justice had to take him all the way to the Supreme Court to get the indictment to stick. <clears throat> And along the way, there's all this discussion of immunity. And uh, one aspect of the decision on the Sixth Circuit that said, oh, no, it's legal for judges to rape women in chamber. And the Supreme Court corrected them. But one aspect of that was that uh, they made up a new standard. They said, uh, oh, no, the the statute, 18 U.S.C. 242, uh, deprivation of rights under color of law because of a, you have to plead a class or a race-based animus under 242. 
because they were women, he violated their rights. And the Sixth Circuit said, oh, no, the, uh, that law doesn't tell him reasonably in advance that his conduct would be prohibited. There's no Supreme Court case that tells him that raping those women violates their rights. And the Supreme Court said, that's a brand new standard. Before this, we've always relied plenty uh, confidently on the decisions of the appellate level. as clearly established law. So to determine clearly established law, you don't go back to the congressional record about a particular act like Section 83. You go instead to case law to see how the courts are treating it. I don't want to read the congressional record. I want to see what the courts have to say about the congressional record. If I have a question, I'll go to the congressional record, but I got Cone versus Commissioner, C-O-H-N, uh, right there on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. You open up the federal income taxation page, control F, and type in C-O-H-N. It's only mentioned once on that whole page, I'll bet. And it says, the congr- congressional record makes clear that this statute does not just reply, apply to restricted stock plans, It applies to any property. It's right there in the same paragraph that it says the congressional record reflects congressional intent, that it reached beyond restricted stock plans for employees. I'm looking at my desktop right now. It's a picture of a high tide under the moon. Cone versus commissioner. What was that? Uh, 73 USTC 443 comma 446 1974 tax case maybe 1979 was it and right there in that one paragraph on page 446 of Cone versus Commissioner it says all that in one paragraph the congressional record makes it clear that it applies to all property transferred in connection with the contractor or a corporation in one paragraph and these regulations are consistent with the statute in one paragraph look at all he missed that's on my website it's in the briefs I've cited when I cited section 83 and argued it since 1993 Cone versus Commissioner has been in it and he defers instead to the congressional record when the courts treat the congressional record this way, that's the incompetent right there, the inexperienced. He's a puppy when his mouth isn't open. When his mouth is open, he's an outhouse. And key to the code falls out. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He never has. His research is incomplete, and I can encapsulate his mistakes in ways that I hope would tell you, Pete Hendrickson, he's missed it. Because he concludes, oh, it's a federal privilege you're exercising. They're treating you like a federal public servant, so you owe the tax. How did Section 83 operate in your conclusion that a federal public servant owes an income tax on the fair market value of their labor? He already missed that boat, and now he's missing the second one. (laughs) 
The first one was about what he has to say about Section 83. And the second one, the second vote, leaving the dock, see you later, is about his conclusion overall about the tax code. How does, and you can't get around Section 83. I'm in court and in court and in court. You see the reviews. You listen to the conference calls. You know damn well that's not the answer or the government would be saying it. And never have they said that to me. So he's looking for reasons to not indulge the language of the statute because it confuses the hell out of him. It makes him long for the wide open road and an 18-wheeler. In a past life, the truck driver, Pete Hendrickson, 83A, boggles his mind. Now, <clears throat> incompetence is one thing. Dereliction, willful dereliction, wire fraud. He's that inexperienced and incompetent, and he still sells his book when he knows people go to prison. Who can do that to people? Why would you listen to somebody willing to say things that he knows will get people thrown in prison. How do you do that? Wow. You, is it sinking in a little bit why I say about him what I say? <clears throat> Just abs, it's flame on dereliction. Just blunt force incompetence. Uh, let's see. Uh, weapons grade stupidity. That's, what, that's the term I was looking for. I'll drink to that. Now, <clears throat> the litigation tax court, Indiana, has, <laughs> if you ask tax court, they'd say, oh, yeah, we disposed of that. They can't. I think that was, was that the memorandum you were talking about in the intro, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, okay. the, the court decision. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They mention 1402B in footnote and then tell you that, oh, that just uh, seeks to add somebody to the tax in Chapter 2. Self-employed Social Security, Chapter 2, 1402B, what the court did not say. The court didn't say it's not a definition, it's an inclusion. And so, <clears throat> 1402 is called definition. That's not my citizenship. WeVGov.com, Federal Income Taxation page, 1402B. Read it. That's not me, period. And they say, oh, no, that just, they didn't say that is you. They said it adds somebody to the chapter's application by telling you, don't consider who this uh don't consider this guy as a non-resident alien, and the court infers, therefore, what they mean by that is they're telling you, consider him to be a citizen. Excuse me, it's a definition. A definition tells you who is in the scope, and anybody not mentioned is excluded. A statutory definition does not serve to add somebody to the definition. That's not the purpose of a definition. 
1402B does not use the term include, which they interpret as a tool that says, oh, that means it includes everybody. And then they sandbag you. So 1402B doesn't even use include. It says, this guy shall not be a, considered to be a non-resident alien. Well, if he's not a non-resident alien, he's a resident citizen. And that's not my citizenship. Then you got that really weird regulation they wrote to implement 1402B, 1.1402B-1D, that says, and this is in Chapter 2, with that citizenship in mind of the possessions, it says a non-resident alien will never owe tax on self-employment income. That's Chapter 2. A non-resident alien will never owe Chapter 2, but he might owe income taxes. You might be subject to income tax provisions. The only other chapter in the tax code that addresses the self-employed is Chapter 1, where they say we are citizens of the United States. So in Chapter 2, they say a non-resident alien will never owe this tax, but he might owe the tax imposed by Chapter 1. Well, that's pretty revealing. You got a Chapter 1 provision, 879A2, that says to figure a non-resident alien partner's uh, share of distributorship income, go to Chapter 2. So I got a Chapter 1 provision that kicks a non-resident alien out into Chapter 2, and a Chapter 2 provision that says a non-resident alien to this chapter will never owe this tax, but they might be subject to Chapter 1. You can't be both citizens. And all they do is mention in footnote the number 1402B and they can't get into the language when they've had the challenge since early 1993 administratively. And this is the first time they've ever said this. <clears throat> That's progress. Because you take all their answers from the past and all their current answers and you go, nobody knows. <laughs> so servant breath, you have to obey the law and no one knows the law. Repeat after me. Houston, in this case, Ogden, we have a problem. <laughs> now, uh, the notice, I like to discuss this little tactic, uh, six, tax code section 6673 authorizes a penalty up to $25,000. Hang on, I don't want to misquote this puppy. Uh, 26, let's see. Um, and it says, uh, if you dare think of doing these things, we can penalize you. Uh, 6673A, one, procedures instituted primarily for delay, etc. Whenever it appears to the tax court that A, B, or C, okay, A, proceedings before it have been instituted or maintained by the taxpayer primarily for delay. B, the taxpayer's position in such proceedings frivolous or groundless. C, the taxpayer unreasonably failed to pursue available administrative remedies. Okay? You can skip number C, letter C. You failed to pursue administrative remedies. Wrong. I'm here on a, on a uh, notice of deficiency. Tax code section 6211, 12, and 13. You give me a notice of deficiency to take it to tax court so we can forget about C. 
A, the proceedings before it have been instituted or maintained by the taxpayer primarily for delay. The judge has already rendered its decision. It's a maggot. <clears throat> so A wouldn't apply. B, the taxpayer's position in such proceeding is frivolous or groundless. His positions were stated and he reserved for appeal and did not argue Section 83 and Social Security doesn't apply to citizens of the U.S. But if you're one of those three, the tax court in its decision may require the taxpayer to pay to the United States a penalty not in excess of 25 grand. It didn't say may uh, in its amended decision. Its decision is in, and it did not penalize it. They blew their chance. What the hell is Dave getting at? There's one more thing to go. The notice of appeal. This is everyone's chance to lift their leg on tax court before parting ways. You put in your notice of appeal instead of one line like lawyers do. We hereby notify the court and all parties. We hereby intend to appeal this to the whatever circuit, blah, blah, blah. Instead, uh, petitioner puts this court on notice that he intends to appeal this court's determination that he's a citizen of the possession as defined in 1402B. And just throttle him with it. And along the, line, along the way, insult the judge a few times too, basically putting your pro se oral argument for the appellate court into your notice of appeal. Okay? Because if you're arguing just the law, there won't be any oral argument. You won't get your day in court on appeal either. You didn't get your day in court in tax court because they'll penalize you for asking. And so the parting shot. Uh, you remember what the Afghans did to Russia when Russia was leaving after uh, being fed up with Afghanis and the way they fight for so long? Do you remember? I'm not a historian. I can't tell you the details. But the Russians on their way out, they were attacked. As in, don't come back. And that's just what happened in Kuwait when we were leaving. The opposing armies leaving, they get attacked. So don't feel bad. As you're leaving tax court, put your snide remarks into your notice of appeal, the points of your brief, the high points, the, the uh, commentary about how weak the government's reply was in this case and in that case, because you'll have my docket numbers, <clears throat> or in your own case, whatever you're doing, and you know you reserve something for appeal, or you think the lower court really treated it like crap, put something in your notice of appeal that you would like to say in your oral argument to the appellate court. Anyway, just another little tactic along the way, like, um, hey, the pleading that I have to file on the prosecutor and file with the court is over uh, 10 pages, but under 35 pages. And so what I'm, well, actually it's over five pages, but under 45 pages. So I'm going to fold it in three and stuff it into a business envelope, fold it in three, stuff it into an envelope, business size, and park my car on it 
all night, maybe for a couple of days, and then put it in the mail to the prosecutor. But the judge gets a nice flat copy in a manila envelope, and I've got a nice flat copy. So when I get to court to argue my motion, I got a nice flat copy, the judge has a nice flat copy, and the prosecutor's over at the other table wrestling with a picnic table (laughs) because you pressed it into a wafer. (laughs) Things you got to know. So uh, caused some discomfort and uh, casualties along the way. Uh, Get some people fired. I got a phone call from Iowa. Chris and I took this call, oh, day before yesterday, I think. Hang on. And uh, this lady said that she was at the hospital and left, said, you got nothing to keep me here. And two cops got in their cop car and chased her car across town, caught her and arrested her and took her back to the hospital. And the hospital produced a document from the hospital, not from a court, that says, Judge so-and-so ordered that you be held in the hospital. So the last couple days, she's been going to the cop shop, to different courts to find out where that judge practices or presides. I mean, and uh, two different cop shops to get the names of the officers. I want to copy the warrant, whatever, doing a discovery trip to see if those two policemen are going to get fired. Because if they didn't have a warrant and they chased, somebody across town in a speeding vehicle to falsely arrest them, their history. They won't be permitted to guard the library. Uh, Simply amazing. And she doesn't need me to accomplish it. A lot of people could, they could punch a hole right through everything the cops did if they didn't have a warrant. And so it's everywhere. Prepare in advance get my courses, the drive-by litigation course. I'm not on the computer, Chris. Is Darling on the call? Uh, yes, she is. Um, but she's she's not on the call. She's on uh, the chat. Uh, Darling, if you're on, uh, you're on the phone, hit star eight. Okay, I see. She... She recently obtained, and recently, we're talking a couple months ago, my drive-by litigation course and uh, the tattoo parlor owner tutorial. Don't let me forget. i got to tell you something about that when I'm done. She'll log in in one minute, she said. Which which is uh, tailored for California, the tattoo parlor owner tutorial. And so she's taking those complaints about her false arrest, and she's cranking the, the wheels of the what is it, the, uh, not vehicle of torture, but the, the wheels of torture. Anyway, she's uh, got them between the wheels, and she's cranking the gears on them with criminal complaints, and uh, she means business, and this is what somebody can do when you pick up my courses. Uh, the tattoo parlor owner tutorial, before we get to Darling, on wevgov.com, if this does not show up when you open the website and get inside of it, you need to go into your browser history and wipe out your uh, search history and your cookies. Not your passwords, 
but your search history and your cookies, then open wevgov.com again, get into it. And on the left-hand side, upper column, you see the several bullet points with a block beside them. There's one now at the bottom of the list that says play often. That is the tattoo parlor owner tutorial. It's now on the web. So that link that says play offense will take you to that page, take that tutorial, and uh, it's another guy that got falsely arrested in a California court, and Darlin is on the call, and uh, they've been putting her through the ringer, but she's been filing this paperwork in uh, retaliation, just as any good American should. Are you there? Not yet. Um, she's um, sure she's dialing in. <clears throat> okay. So the Tattoo Parlor Owner Tutorial. Tell your friends it's now available there on wevgov.com. And uh, everybody should know what's in that tutorial. I knew exactly what I wanted to write. I knew exactly how I wanted them to file those documents and listen to what it did to that judge. It was a knee-jerk reaction of mine to crank out that paperwork. And as a knee-jerk reaction, I thumped that judge right on the paid vacation. She had to have a three-martini lunch after she read that paperwork. Oh, this is cute. The guy that has tattoos and piercings from head to toe has filed some paperwork. Let's see what the greasy citizen has filed. And when she got done with that one-and-a-half-hour reading of his filing of the uh, affidavit of prejudice, criminal complaint to the FBI and everything, think she could sit in a chair? That's as far as I can push that. It's a family show. <laughs> but I, as a knee-jerk reaction, I did that to a superior court judge. So. It could be done, folks. And uh, is Darling there yet? Yeah, I believe she is. Yep, here she comes. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Darling. <laughs> Hi, David. This is Tom Marie. Thank you, Darling. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. today was my uh, court date. And um, I have to tell you that uh, this was the, they actually brought a real judge in for everyone's cases. And he actually read everyone their full rights, rights that I don't even know we had. <laughs> he explained <laughs> to everybody. I go, wow, everybody totally benefited who ever had their case with me yeah. today. Just, just a second, just a second. How many hearings in that court had you been to before that where this was not the case? Um, let's see, one, two. I think I've been there about ten times. Thank you. Proceed. Ten times. I'm sorry, okay, say that again? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Ten. Yeah, you, thank you. Pro, you've proceed. been there ten times, and he's never said anything like that before, <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah, they, they most of the time they, um, actually every time, they've had a commissioner come in, and just and people just like, it's actually pretty disturbing how people just throw their rights away, you know. I mean, it's, 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 it's awful to watch, but... Um, but, yeah, today was the first day they actually had the judge sit in. The bailiff announced that, oh, don't worry about the video. It's going to be a judge today, not the commissioner. And um, I had my um, 
so at the, this point in, in my stage, because when I got your drive-by litigation course, I was able to actually stop what was going on, and they have now made so. When I when I found this case and and finally got some of the basics or enough under my belt to um, um, get ready to file my complaint, I had a court date like three days, and that was my trial date where they were trying to put me in jail for three years for things that I didn't do, and um, I had the uh, what was it the um, when you accept the public defender, I fired my attorney, and um, they changed my court or my hearing all the way back to arraignment. So today it was like starting all over again. <laughs> and they gave me my public defender, and um, and uh, and believe it or not, he he exposed to me that the case had no discovery done. There was none done, and they were trying to put me in jail for three years for nothing. So, but um, I do, I do have to say about the drive-by litigation course. Even if you're not that experienced, um, if you keep listening to the things over and over and over again, and you look at the different examples and you read them out loud and you find out what applies to you, eventually it'll click. And um, and it, it really is great when when you can walk into a courtroom and the judge knows that you put in your judicial immunity, judicial notice for, of immunity. And they totally treat everyone with respect. <laughs> that was yeah, now that, was, that, leads, that leads me to the next question I wanted to ask. Give every give everybody an idea of the uh, not necessarily each and every, but the type of documents that you had already filed in your case between when they did not read you all your rights and when they did. You know, after the ten hearings in the last couple of weeks, you've been filing documents. What kind of documents mm-hmm. have you been filing and against whom? Um, so I filed uh, four, I think maybe six documents, but I can go. So I filed uh, the mandatory mandatory judicial notice uh, for the immunity, and there was um, one other one that you had on there. And then each case that they had against me, they have four cases, I put um, each criminal complaint and the petitions to petition a grand jury, each criminal complaint had everyone involved in all of my crimes. Everything they charged me with, I, the officer, I put the um, uh, the person who was sitting in the background, everyone who stood there and watched and did nothing, I put everyone's name down. Um, and uh, I, it, it's funny, you know, the way they look at you. And so I filed um, those mandatory um, notices. I did the verified complaint. And then I sent the um, the FBI, and, and they don't even know that I sent it to the FBI and the U.S. Marshals. And I sent it to the DOJ in Washington, D.C. And um, so now uh, I believe – so the one question I do have is when I do the um, appearance of fairness, do I actually attach the FBI complaint on top of the verified complaint? Your affidavit of – your affidavit of prejudice asks that the judge step away because the appearance of fairness has been lost. How do you prove that? You attach the laundry. You never go anywhere without the laundry. It's the reason you developed the pile of laundry is so you can throw it around when they least expect it or when they expect it and can't prevent it. They dread it every time. And so, yes, you include that. 
the FBI, the FBI one when you step it up to the federal with the FBI? Uh, you did not give that to them yet, but for the purposes no, no. of the affidavit of prejudice, yeah, correct. Just closed. Sure, both barrels. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I wanted to do that because I can do that in another case. In this case, um, I kind of gave the judge a break. The one who transferred the case all the way back to the beginning because I needed it transferred back to the beginning so that I could file my criminal complaints. And now they're just, you know, they actually banned me from filing anything else in the court case. <laughs> Which is they, fine they, I they, got hang on, on the hang on, hang on, hang on. They can't prohibit you from filing criminal complaints. That's the basis uh, for a criminal complaint itself because the criminal complaint on the federal level, I would mm-hmm. say conspiracy against my rights, uh, to due process, I'm required to report crime to the government, and what they're doing is covering, uh, call it a cover-up. That's what I would call yeah. it. And I call it evidence the district attorney tried to do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who. And uh, yeah, well, dis- call it yeah. evidence of a cover-up of crime. And if they bar oh, me yeah. from filing, go ahead. All right. Let me write that. Evidence of cover-up of crime. Um, it was the um, evidence. Up it was um, the district attorney who tried to get the judge to issue that, um, and the public defender, because we had a brief, you know, he understood, and I said, this, these charges are going to get dismissed. And um, he, um, first he laughed at me. When, when I mean, if you would hear the charges they have against me, I, I think everyone would just cringe. They're like, there's no way you're getting off, but I did nothing. I did none of those. Um, and and then I have video and proof to prove every single one. But back, back to the I point you're him, making. Yes, back to the point I'm making. The point is um, the district attorney tried to punish me, tried to get the judge to punish me, penalize me for filing these um, criminal complaints and the, um, uh, the judicial notice and the um, public defender actually uh, just told the judge it was a miscommunication. She misunderstood, and it's, um, it's all handled. And that was okay, it. And stop. the judge just said. Okay. okay, stop. The district attorney. Are you talking about the district attorney's office filed paperwork that was signed and concocted by an underling, or are you litigating directly against the district attorney? Um, there, uh, so I, I don't understand the question. So the district attorney only knew about my criminal complaints because I sent them a copy. Hang on. The district attorney means two things. It can mean the mm-hmm. district attorney's office, which is him or any of his assistants, or it can mean the individual that occupies the office when we converse like this. I'm trying to narrow it down. When you say the district attorney filed it, was it one of his underlings that signed it? Oh, so they didn't file it. She just said it out loud. It was one of the underlings who said it out loud in the court case. The district attorney herself, she was not there. Here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. I would allege in a criminal complaint a conspiracy against constitutional rights on the part of that person and her boss, and I would say they uh, they conspired to deprive me of my rights 
embodied in my filing of those criminal complaints, and that's a federal felony, 10 years in prison, 18 U.S.C. 241, because those are not specious. They weren't filed to delay. They aren't based on theory. Those are state statutes. Also, try to find in state law or your court rules, because we have it in Washington, a provision mm-hmm. for filing citizens' criminal complaints. Also, I did find it. I did find it, and I also, put it in there. Yeah, also, look up the case in Shasta County and get that docket number saying there's a bunch of criminal complaints filed up there, too, and they didn't complain about that. Okay. Also, I can, so mention, got, I can mention them? You have to tell me why you can't. Uh, oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. so, yeah, you make yeah. it. It's laundry, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we've yeah, been here before, all... haven't we? Because we've been here before, yeah. haven't we? Serving breath. Okay. Yeah. That's, the, that's the way. I mean, listen, listen. Okay, that's the way I play. Now back to the point. Um. The Shasta County. Um. What about the county? You you brought up adding um uh adding the other complaints that were oh, filed in Shasta. The county district attorney, if it was his underling that said that at the hearing, simply mm-hmm. allege in a complaint that she was instructed to do so, and that makes it a conspiracy, that triggers the essential elements of eighteen USC two forty one, a felony statute. And then ask okay. when would be a, when would be a convenient time to arrest you because America wants to know. Yeah, and then copy and yeah. copy and paste that citizen's arrest annotation right into it. Okay. How's that for opening your mouth? You you open yeah. your mouth to me. Well, here's a federal criminal complaint for a felony violation. Now, 310 million gun owners can arrest you. You open your mouth to me. What were you thinking? Yeah, that that ought to be great because now they'll truly know that I'm not messing around. Just off her oh, one reply and another criminal complaint. <laughs> yeah. Who the hell even who the hell even presents that posture to a public servant in America? Nobody. Yeah. And yet here it is. There's the law right here. Any questions? Yeah. Servant. You're right. I totally get it, and I'm I'm doing that. That's actually really good because I have most of the complaint already done. At least the the things that she's done to add on. So I just need to write. And the, you might ask that, You might also say in whatever you write that you're lucky you didn't try to have me arrested for criminal contempt of court because that would have carried the death penalty. Okay. See, see 18 U.S.C. 241? Oh, yeah. Conspiracy. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I, yeah, a majority of all four of my complaints have 241. Conspiracy against rights with a kidnapping. Death penalty. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's easy to focus on just really two big ones or three big ones, and and and, um, now, and um, the hard hopscotch, hopscotch into their territory. Go behind enemy lines and try to imagine what they would be telling each other when these roll in, because your posture is: you opened your mouth to me. Everyone in America can arrest you now. Yeah. No one's ever said that in this. You've heard it here first. And <laughs> picture what they have to be asking each other and themselves on the other side. 
Yeah. Diminishing there, returns. There, uh, mm-hmm. Diminishing returns, that's fine. That's the cash register. I'm talking about your careers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, commanding the appearances, it's actually really, really nice. I mean, I knew they were talking about me before because one of the court clerks said, yeah, what's your relationship to uh, this um, T, T. Darling? I said, that's me. Oh, oh, you didn't look how I expected you to. And I'm just like, well, what's that supposed to mean? And so then I realized. So we, we expected a tattoo parlor owner like over in yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, see, I've been. That's at the family court, and I have I have them sitting here ready. I'm going to them tomorrow. But um, this was in, in criminal court. It was beautiful. It was total. It was beautiful. I was really stress free, and I have a. They actually assigned me to the trial, um, the trial public defender. Not just uh, they took me off the team one, and they designated me to the to the um, the highest one, the trial criminal uh, defender, public defender. Ongoing violation of 241. When's a good time mm-hmm. to arrest you, servant breath? Yeah. And uh, yeah. now, in closing, in closing, how many people need my drive-by litigation course and my course on how to write and file citizens' criminal complaints? Um, I would say everybody on this call, you you need to you need to get the course. There's no way to figure it out on your own. And um, and the way that uh, David has it all written. You will find your situation, and you'll you'll really learn how to take all that drama out of it, um, and and just put your situation Operate. in. But still, yes, yes, and and it it really is nice knowing how to start, where to end, and just knowing that you did something that will just give you respect. Because you know who knows what they're going to do with this, and it doesn't matter. But I'm getting free, you know, and I already feel free. You know, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of unlawful arrest anymore because they arrested me three times for nothing. I like that. You know, you. they arrested me at my they arrested me at, at one of my court hearings after I had fired my attorney. I like to add something. <laughs> yeah. You um you now have a public defender and mm-hmm. he he's supposed to be representing you. And if he mm-hmm. doesn't represent you in the manner in which you are um, structuring yourself with the criminal complaint mm-hmm. and what you've learned and what you have written on the record, you may want to be ready to uh, fire him because you're entitled to um, competent rep- representation and if he's representing you, you have to approve everything he does. Right, Dave? Cor- Correct. You know TJ? Yeah. T- TJ is how I got to you, Dave and Chris. You know TJ? TJ's program? Uh, yes. Yeah. His pro- he actually has a program for criminal, how to get out of the criminal. And um, he, I have my 12-page my instructions for the public defender. And, yes, he makes it so clear that the public defender knows that He's supposed to represent you zealously, and if you feel like he's not, he can be fired at any time, and you can ask for another one. And then pretty much you just wait out the um, – if, if, if you did something, then they'll, they'll be able to complete that list. But if you did nothing, then it just you wait for a speedy trial to time out, um, just like the tattoo guy has just got timed out, you know. When they're wrong, they just time you out on something ridiculous, but – 
Well, you know, keep, an eye on speedy trial. keep an eye on speedy trial for your own case, okay? Because uh, yeah, they might have violated days. Yeah, it's four, 45 days. So we we started it today. So I'm pretty happy. I mean oh, one other question, one. too. I mean, I, I mean about the first one. They reset your case? I never so, heard of that see, that's unless what I, you requested I, yeah, see, I never heard of it either. He said this is complicated, and I'll talk to the 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 the, the defense attorney I'll, or the public defender. I will talk to him uh, next week. I think next week or Friday. I believe yeah. it's next week, and he's the one I'm going to ask those questions to because my case should already be dismissed for um, timely uh, speedy trial okay. violation. Well, as long as you got your eyes on it. Yeah, as long, yeah. as long as they, you, you might want to look for it to see if they change the case number. If it has the original, you know, uh, case number, then um, then your speedy trial is still intact. And if it has oh, a nice. different case number, and listen, if it has a different case number, consult an accomplished criminal defense lawyer to see from a real professional, not an appointed counsel, if they're allowed to do that. Say that one more time. If they what? If they if, if they're allowed if they're allowed to uh make a brand new docket number for you. They shouldn't be they able did. to just can the first one and create the second one just so they can meet speedy trial rights. There has to be motions and arguments on some kind of a dismissal. They can't just do that to a sponte. So find yeah. out from a okay. professional if if they gave you two different docket numbers to accomplish this, uh, mm-hmm. your public defender is not the one you should ask about it. Yeah, you know, they actually did. The, the very first case, the, the very first one, they changed it because it had already expired. You know, they came and arrested me four months after something happened. Well, and whatever. They, you ought they, to have a real, a yeah. real pro wash out all those deadlines for you. Pay them if you can. Okay. Get somebody that really knows to assess all your deadlines. And uh, i got to get out of here, Chris. It's been my pleasure, right. everybody. Always a pleasure to talk to you, darling. And, uh, and yeah, and sorry. I took okay. up most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I like your attitude. I'm glad that uh, you're you're bright in your outlook regarding the situation. That's, that's the first battle. Take care. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. And, 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 you know, to, to, uh, to solve problems, one of the the one of the old quotes that I like most is "massive action solves problems." I mean, you know, and that's and that's what people have massive problems sometimes, and and you got and and you got to meet it with, you know, massive. Uh, I don't want to say indictiveness, <laughs> uh, but. Um, you got to approach it massively. You can't you can't go in there with your head hanging down and in doubt and everything. You got to conquer that fear and and own up to it that you're in a problem and you got to have a uh, one heck of an offense. It's not a defense anymore. You got to go in there def- uh, offensively and and um, and create your um, yeah. Massive offensive strategy. That's right, darling. So anyhow, um, I'd like to thank everybody for coming on the call. Um, yeah, the communist liberals are going down. <laughs> Man, they, you know, 
they they have written their own destruction in over the last several years. I'm telling you, the stuff that they've done. I mean, I can get into all that. So anyhow, I like to have my my public announcer do this for me. Okay. God bless America, and this car's officially over. All right. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.